like coming in and, you know, throwing punches for me. Like I, I don't always need that, but like there are some times when I like do really want support. And I just think asking that question to your partner or your friend or your the person that you're really close to of like, how can I support you in this is my just number one piece of advice because it just looks different for everyone and at different times. Hello and welcome to another episode of Finding Mr. Right, the podcast. I'm Allie Jackson. And I'm Erica Spiro. Welcome back, everybody. Welcome back to the show. Yeah, I am just off a bachelorette party in Puerto Rico, a very quick trip for which I am so grateful to have our Sunset Lake CBD because I needed my sleep when I got back. Oh, I have a fun update on the oh. specifically the melatonin gummies. Okay. I forgot about this. All right, my bestie in LA is a big is a big weed gal. All right, her THC tolerance is very high. So I stayed the night at her place. She lives near the airport, so I stayed there. I had a super early flight, and I had my CBD gummies to try to get myself to go to bed earlier. Whatever. And her fiance was talking to me about how he's like been having some trouble sleeping, blah blah blah. And so I was like, oh, you should try some of these gummies. And he's like, oh, okay. So he tries them. I'm obviously like on the plane the next day. I get a text. He's like, yo, those gummies, I underestimated the CBD power and melatonin <laughs> power of the gummies. And then I got an update the other day that my girlfriend tried them. And she was mm-hmm. like, yeah, you know, I took it at like 6.30 to like get myself to start to wind down, go to bed. Oh, no. Passed out asleep within an hour, 7.30. Oh, yeah. And she even said, she was like, man, I'm feeling these more than I feel like a, an edible of THC. And I was like, mm-hmm. you underestimated the power of Sunset Lake CBD and you were wrong. Don't you dare underestimate Sunset Lake. Don't you dare. It's powerful stuff. Powerful stuff. It's, and- it's so good. And listeners, if you haven't tried it yet, or if you have and you want to get more stuff, you can use our code FMH20 for 20% off everything on the website, sunsetlakecbd.com. Yep, that's FMH 20, 20% off, and you can use it more than once. So send to your friends that are not believers and convert. <laughs> <laughs> it's good stuff. It's real stuff. It really is so good. So I've talked a little bit on the pod about how I've been trying to extend my damp January into, into future months. And I have really been enjoying recess mocktails as a way to have what feels like a fancy drink at home, but without the alcohol. Yeah. And also, it's nice to have something in your fridge that just has a little bit of flavor. Totally. And they're they're delicious. They're made with real fruit, sweetened with agave, and again, 0% alcohol. So just a nice nice little flavorful drink that is a little, little play on our favorites here. They got a bunch of great flavors. My personal favorite is the recess watermelon mojito. I actually like to garnish it like it's a actual cocktail. Like I put it in a coupe glass, feel it all fancy, garnish it with a little sprig of mint. It is delicious. And my favorite is the recess ginger lime mule. I'm a ginger gal. And what I love also, not too sweet. Perfect amount of just a little little sweet treat. They're absolutely delicious. And you can get 15% off recess mocktails now at takearecess.com slash FMH. So you can enjoy your favorite cocktails without the consequences. Uh, anyway, but uh, you are fresh off a third date last night. Well, I'm fresh off something. Uh... So this update is going to go out to a special group of people, which I think is a lot of people. Mm. And 
those are the people who have told their friends about someone they're excited about only for something to immediately happen. No. Oh, shit. What? Oh, I'm so sorry. So... I like. I truly have no idea what this update is, but I'm like. No, I, I purposely right. purposely kept it from you. Oh, damn. But so we've all been there, right? Like we've all like finally told our friends about somebody. Be like, oh yeah, like I was talking on the Patreon about how it's like rare to get to this stage. Like third date is like a big bar, right? Like, mm-hmm. that's a thing. We've all been there where you're like finally excited, so happy to be excited. And then, so similar to in between our first and second date, we didn't text much. Like he sent me one thing, I sent him another thing, like perfect amount of communication in my opinion, not like constant. Same thing this past week in between dates two and three, right? And we had decided that we were going to go out Sunday night when I got back from the bachelorette party. He had actually asked me to go out earlier than that. I just could not. Mm -hmm. So... We had this, we didn't have a plan, but we had a date. Like literally I said like, yay, it's a date. <laughs> and he hearted it, whatever. So same kind of situation throughout the week. He sent me one thing. I sent him another thing, like little things here and there. Yeah, not completely MIA. Right. But not, you know, like not in constant contact or whatever. And then on Saturday, while I was at the Bachelorette, I, this was after we recorded Patreon, because Patreon, I was like flying high. (laughs) Yeah, very high. On Saturday, I texted him, and I don't know what it was. Something about his response, it was not objectively bad. I just felt a different energy. And I even like showed it to my like good friend that I was sharing a bed with at the bachelorette mm-hmm. party and she didn't see it. She was like, this is fine. I'm like, I don't know. I just, you know, that feeling. I know. And it's, I'm not a super anxious person. So when I feel it, I am hundred percent of the time. Correct. That's something so, shifted. So I have been in my past, a super anxious person. And I tend that way, especially when I'm on like lack of sleep and you know, all the things that I was over the weekend. I tend anxious. And something that I've worked on a lot with my therapist is this concept of emotional permanence. Have you heard of this? My my, ther- my former therapist taught mm. it to me. Uh, explain it to me. I don't think I've heard this one. It's basically like the idea that people still love and care about you even if they're not actively saying it to you at that time or like even if you're not with them. It's like their emotions are permanent. Like they're still there even if you don't see them at the time. And is it specifically about like hearing from people or can it be yeah, just a general thing? General like affirmations, hearing from people or them like reiterating that they care about you. And it's not just in dating. This is like a, this is an overarching concept. Yeah. I was going to say for friendships or dating, I feel like the easiest example is just literally not hearing from the person for like a day or two. And your immediate thought is they don't like me anymore or we're not friends yeah. or whatever. Okay, exactly. So this is something that I struggle deeply with as a teenager and in my 20s and that I've worked on a lot in therapy because my brain will immediately jump to emotional impermanence. Like my brain will mm-hmm. immediately be like, they don't like me. Yeah. And I've worked so hard on resetting those wires and like creating better neural pathways for myself. And I've done such a good job. And then something like this happens where I just felt it 
and I couldn't explain it, and an objective third party didn't see it. Yeah, I was like, reasonable. I just, I just feel like it's different, and I can't mm-hmm. explain why, but my brain is telling me it's different, and I was t- telling my brain, "You're wrong. You've been wrong before about this. You're wrong." And on so, so I was telling myself this all Saturday. On Sunday, I texted him on my way home, being like, I'm about to be back stateside. He knew I was getting back early evening. We had plans to go out like after dinner I got back. or something. Yeah. 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 Texted him that I was back, that I was on my way back, aka about to be back. Basically, I was like about to land. Didn't hear from him all night. No. Still haven't heard? Heard from him this morning. And he said, how was the trip? No, this bitch. Sorry. Sorry. This is, okay. This is infuriating on a whole nother level. The ignore Uh, and the pop back up like nothing happened. Get the fuck out of here. The funniest the funniest part is I will play on Patreon. So shout out to the patrons who by the time this airs will have heard this. I will play on Patreon my live reaction because I was filming a video when I got his text message. <laughs> you just were like, yo, fuck you, dude. I literally was like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. Just wait, to back up a little. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm assuming you don't want to share the text exactly, but when you texted him Saturday, did you at all reference the plans or just like random whatever no. text? Okay, it was a random thing. Yeah, it was a random. Got thing. it. Okay, but damn, we had talked about the plans again at some point during the week when he, because like our my our second date was a Sunday night. Yeah, and that same night was when he had asked me out again, and he was said later this week, maybe Thursday, and I was like, I can't do Thursday, but I could do Sunday when I get back, whatever. Later mm-hmm. that week, I forget when. We had referenced it again. So, like, it was a thing. So he just oh. says, how was the trip? And I was like, you've got to be fucking kidding me. Yeah, did you call him out? I did. Good. I said, like, the trip was fantastic. I was kind of bummed not to hear from you yesterday, though. I thought we had plans. Yeah. And what, what did he say? What did he have to say for himself? He said... I won't read it directly, but he basically said, he said, sorry, but then he said like the day got away from me and I was honestly really tired at the end of it all. Oh, no. Yeah. Mm. And I'm like, and we still haven't gotten to the part. Right. Like we still haven't gotten to the part where you ignored me. Right. So it sounds like you knew. Sounds like you knew. Sounds like you didn't forget. Yeah. Which also would have been kind of unacceptable, but in a different way. <laughs> like, Yeah, and you're sitting there like, okay, you're making me feel crazy. Do I need to, need to say to you, so why didn't you text me that? That you yeah. were tired and wanted to reschedule like a big boy? Exactly. Like a fucking adult? Like a, an adult? So I, I, So Ugh. I wrote back to that and I said, like, I totally get that. And I would have understood if you needed to reschedule, but I would have liked to hear that yesterday. Yeah. And what did he say after that? Oh, he did not. He just didn't say anything. He just didn't say anything. He hasn't opened it because, as mentioned before, he has read receipts. But obviously, he's seen it. He's a lock screen. Well, you can do it for individual people. He might have turned it on to open it and forever leave you <laughs> on red, but not let you know you were left on red, unfortunately. 
maybe. Oof. Either way, I am so annoyed, obviously. Yeah, I don't. Do you think this man has any chance of coming back from this? Slim to none. Yeah, I don't. I can't think of anything that would make me really accept it. Like, never say never. But like. No, let's say never. No. no. Probably not. Let's say no. Like, I don't. I don't know how you can come back from that. Yeah, really bad. Mostly the reaction to, or lack thereof, to me being like, I thought we had plans last night. Like, there was still a way for him to come back from what happened. Yeah, to just completely ignore it is bullshit. Exactly. Because you didn't come at him as hard as you could have. You weren't even like, I'm very upset. I'm very hurt. You just were like, hey, if you want to reschedule, let me know. Right. Like, and he has prior experience that I am quite accommodating. Yeah, I mean, truly. Yeah. And we talked about that on our second date. He, like, thanked me for not blowing up at him. Mm -hmm. And I was like, dude, like, you had a very valid reason. Was I annoyed before I knew about the reason? Yeah. Yeah. But, like, then, then it was totally fine and I totally understood. So, like, he has history that I'm not going to go off on him. Like you pull this shit twice. It's like, okay, now I don't believe the first time. Yeah. I do believe the first time for some other reasons, but like you still, you pull the shit twice. Yeah. Or yeah. It's very hard to not feel like you're taking advantage of my kindness and accommodation. Yes. Like like this moment feels like a test where it's like, he sent you that text to basically be like, am I going to get called out? Right. Will she let me? Yeah. Will she let me ignore the fact that I just blew off her plan, our plans with no communication? Will she let me do that? And the answer, my guy, is no. No. Yeah. What the fuck are we doing? No. Yeah. So. I know, and it's like I actually, I want to read this DM that I got from someone who obviously doesn't know that this happened. I had posted an AMA reply to somebody be or I posted it. Sorry, I posted a DM screenshot of somebody being like, I loved how like giddy you sounded on the Patreon. Like, it's so nice. It just feels so nice to lean into that sometimes. And like, I'm happy that, you know, you're doing that. At the time, this hadn't happened yet. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) So, but then I got another DM from someone and this had happened, but they didn't know that. And she was saying like, I agree with this person. Like, I'm so happy that you're leaning into this. And like, it's really nice to give myself that reminder that even when it doesn't work out and I feel hurt, I'm still happy that I like leaned into that giddy feeling because it felt really good. Yeah. I mean, if anything, I think this is what I struggle with the most with breakups is asking myself like, or feeling frustrated, like, when am I going to feel that way again? Right. And and then continue to feel that way and not have the yeah. rug pulled out from under you. Yeah, just genuinely like into somebody on yeah. a base level where I have this Literally. excitement of the next day. Yeah. Literally. Mm-hmm. Um and so I was actually really happy to receive that DM. If you're listening, thank you to this person who didn't know that they were reassuring me because they didn't yeah. know that it had gone south. <laughs> right. But I like, I totally agree. Like I, it would be, it's really easy for me to sit here and this has happened to me before. It's really easy for me to sit here and be like, man, like 
foolish of me, like shouldn't have gotten excited, but like, no, I'm happy that I was excited. You have the information that you have. Right. I don't, you know, especially a couple dates. We're all getting pretty basic information for the most part. And people are showing up with their best selves. And, you know, if this is how he's showing up before date three, don't love that. No, he would pull this shit with the texting all the time. Yeah. There's no way. There's no way. Especially like, how old is this man? 34. Yeah. 30s? Come on. This is who you are. Like, mm-hmm. I I mean, it's hard for me to believe people like really can truly change massive degrees. I feel like we all can change like little degrees here and there. Yeah, like, incrementally. At 33, 34, I'm like, you are who you are. You know? You yeah. are who you are. I wouldn't be surprised if this has been his pattern with who knows how many women of the past. Quite possibly. Quite yeah. possibly. So yeah. that blows. <laughs> it does. Well, RIP, Dr. Laundry. Mm-hmm. Your, yeah. Your medical license has been revoked. Yeah, seriously. We went and changed your nickname and then you pull this shit. You requested yeah. a nickname change and then you pull this shit. See? Little little bit of a diva. We should have saw it coming. We should have <laughs> saw it coming. <laughs> Yeah, uh, And what's interesting about this is that – so he and I obviously like on our second date talked about this account, the podcast, et cetera. I went into this in much more detail on the Patreon. So if you want to hear my full detailed thoughts on this, you can go there. But I hadn't yet posted any of my date recaps about him because mm-hmm. I'm like kind of trying to figure out what that's going to look like for me in the future. There is nothing about him on my accounts. Right. And uh-huh. so like – the only thing that exists about him that's out there is what he directly knew about and was totally cool with. Mm-hmm. So I, I really don't think that was it. I think this dude is just a shitty communicator. Yeah. I mean, I'm wondering, God, two things. Part of me is almost like, was there something in your gut about this guy trying to be like, this isn't going to be what you think it is. And maybe that's why you were holding off posting or oh, maybe. Or do you feel like there's just kind of more of a safety in holding off and really letting things grow before bringing any kind of attention to them in a public sense? That second piece, I mean, maybe on the first piece, I don't know. But um, that second piece is really what's kind of driving me to like think about like the po- nothing on the podcast is changing. Like that piece doesn't really affect me, but like getting feedback from other people on other people like on people I'm dating not on me even but like on the people I'm dating does affect me like it just has to it's natural right like for sure even actually more so the positive feedback like actually that affects me way more than anything negative that anybody ever says that shit I can easily ignore because I can be like I'm making my own opinion about this person but like other people getting like really excited about someone Mm mm-hmm And then I'm either like getting more excited because of that or it's making me like anxious because I myself am questioning something and I'm like, oh, but like all these people are into them. It just adds this other layer. Yeah, this is something that Bella Gandhi kind of touched on was like essentially not talking to all your friends about every little part of your dating life. Yeah, totally. it can get in your head and or make you maybe overanalyze things sometimes too. And I'm not saying that's what you're doing with this situation, but- yeah, we've all been there, especially, I mean, obviously I was like new to this podcast, but 
on shooters, Molly and I, we did nicknames because we had this like theory because it would keep happening with what you just said, where you're like, you get excited about someone or you just, the minute you tell somebody I'm seeing someone, it's like they disappear. Yep. Right. And it's not even that they meet them or you even show them a picture, nothing. Just you're like, oh, I've been on my They exist. Place with this guy. They exist. Gone. <laughs> so we, it was like out of kind of out of superstition was we called it like name the puppy. And it basically meant we don't name the puppy until it's official. Mm. Like until they're going to be meeting our friends, they're going to be referred to as like whatever nickname comes up. Yeah. 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 Um, and it like kind of felt like we're not jinxing it or whatever, <laughs> but like essentially like this, this story of this man is that. Yeah. We were like, man, I didn't even like, I didn't even tell people about you and like gone or I guess in the public sense, but you were telling your friends yeah, yeah. all weekend. I'm yeah, sure you were like, Oh, I'm yeah. like actually really excited when we get back. I'm going out with this guy. And it's just, it sucks because it's like, we, I, we should celebrate when we have a little excitement for sure. Yeah. You're totally right. And I think, as I've been thinking about it, because like talking it out on the Patreon helps me kind of think about like, okay, what do I actually want? And I do really still want to share my dating life and my dating journey on social media, not just the podcast, because part of something that's really important to me is the community there of people feeling like less alone because somebody that they're seeing somebody else go through stuff, right? Mm-hmm. I think it might just look more um, like like capsules. So like we were saying yep. on the Patreon, maybe like, oh, this is dates one through three. And I and when I post that, I've already been on those dates, obviously. And so I have some time to sit with it myself. Right. Exactly. So it just so happens that this is going to be from start to finish, dates one through three. Unfortunately. <laughs> um, but I think that like that, that will allow people to still like come with me on this journey that I think is has become important as as a part of like community building for me while giving me some space from it and like again nothing on the podcast is changing yeah just want to reiterate that out loud for the peeps um so anywho like a condensed version is yeah what i say yeah so condensed and like a little delayed um and you know the the deep dive in the moment stuff is here and so if you're listening to this you already get it You're getting it right now. Live. You're getting it right now. This is it. Oh, this is so unfortunate. I'm so sorry. I know. Thank you. Um, so yeah, that's that. Um, I do have a quite a bit of Bumble people, like Bumble matches lined up um, that I've been like starting some conversations with. I also have one guy who we had gotten to the point of scheduling a date and then I was going home for Thanksgiving holiday, like whatever, like it just kind of fell off and he actually pops back up this week. Oh, okay. Did you get so, the date on the books yet? No, it just happened today. So I'm we're I'm like writing back to him. Um so yeah, you know, try to get some more irons in the fire. Get something going. Yeah. Something. something. Um yeah, I'm like, uh, I had some kind of Patreon only updates for myself. So <laughs> I was like Yes. So what are we talking yeah, about here? What am I sharing uh, publicly here? Um I have the uh, kind of a, I don't want to say a classic dilemma, because I just feel like it's so unfortunate to be uh, in this situation a little bit. Um, So obviously I'm new to LA and I'm like meeting comedians here and there, et cetera. And I met this comic at a show and afterwards he was going to some like party thing. It was a birthday party of like another comedian. 
And he was like, oh, do you want to come? Like a bunch of people are going to be there, blah, blah, blah. I was like, you know what? Yeah, I need to like hang out more, meet some more people, whatever. Yeah. We go. Um, this person was like super kind, introducing me to people, being like, this is Erica. She's a comedian. She just moved here from New York. She's really funny, blah, blah, blah. Like really appreciated it, especially because unfortunately in my world of comedy or I mean, a lot of times entertainment, but comedy is so male dominated mm. that when I walked in with him, people assume you're like dating that person and oh. not also a comedian. So I appreciated okay. that, like, cause people would come up and say hello to him and like, give him a shake, handshake or whatever. And like, essentially ignore me. And so he was always like, this is Erica. She is also a comedian. And then she these people would come well. introduce themselves, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So like I had that. And then there was another night I went by some club and he was there like hanging cool, whatever. And, um, so whatever fast forward to, you know, and we follow each other on Instagram, all this stuff. Fast forward to, it turns out he was in New York for a night this week. Oh. And he hit me up early in the week, like, hey, I'm going to be in town. I, like, go on a cruise ship the next day. I'm coming a night early. You know, if you're around, want to hang, like, whatever. And, you know, he said, I'm trying to get a show. So I was like, hey, let me know. And he shows you message. Like, maybe I could vouch, blah, blah, blah. And then he's like, yeah, we're playing after because I had a spot. And the day came, I completely forgot. And then all of a sudden that night, I got a text from him, like, oh, I ended up not getting any shows, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh, and I said, I'm sorry, I forgot. And, you know, I'm home. I yeah. do shots for egg freezing, et cetera. So then all of a sudden he like gets flirty on a line that I was like, I think this is being flirty, but there's not like hard enough evidence. Oh. You know, where you're just a little like, mm, I'll just kind of let this sit and not address it you know and to be honest like the second time i kind of saw him in la i felt a slight like flirtiness but you know when you're just like i'm not sure if i'm reading this correctly yeah whatever but when i'm interested no i'm not trying to date another comedian i have failed at that enough times so very fair very (laughs) especially being brand new to a scene i'm like i do not want my intro to the scene to be i'm someone's girlfriend yeah Um, very fair and when I followed him on Instagram, I saw that he got engaged in December. So very recently. So I'm like, oh, you're like oh. with somebody. So then I was like, I think I looked too far into it with the flirtiness. So that's okay. also yeah. why I was like, did you Fine. read that correctly? Not correctly? Is this person just being friendly? Are people in LA just nicer? And you're just like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> or whatever. Why like, are they so nice? They love me. They must be drunk on sunshine or something, you know? Um, so then though, when I'm back in New York, I get another text from him at like 1130 PM late being like, you should come over. We should like hang. No. Come over here. Is your fiance there? (laughs) The fiance doesn't live in New York, so I do not think so. (laughs) Um, I just replied with a screenshot of his post about getting engaged. Hell yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's just like. I don't know if this is what you're implying, but like, bro, we followed each other on Instagram. Do you think I don't know? Let's fucking go. Like, what the hell? Like, I was like, what? And then he replies to my text 20 minutes later. So I think he just gets the hint and is like, gone. Yeah. Replies back to my message. I'm not married yet. LOL. (gasps) Oh. Terrible. That's even worse than I thought. Oh. 
thumbs up. No, <laughs> not no. Thumbs up. Thumbs I, not thumbs You're up. watching the video, the dumb little video. Misreads our signals. Um, thumbs down. Um, yeah. yeah. So I just um, didn't reply to that. I was just like, get the fuck out of here. I thought he was going to try to like play it off. Like that's not what he meant. But oh no, homeboy no. just doubled. Doubled down. Doubled down. Shocking. And also, it's so frustrating. Ay, ay, ay. And career moments like that really suck because it makes me be like, did you actually think I was funny? Or was this like, whatever bullshit long game? And that's something that like male comics don't understand when they cross that line, even if it's, you know, not cheating on their freaking fiance or whatever. But like, I've had that happen with other comics that were like ahead of me and like more established. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you do a show and they're like, oh my God, your stuff was like really good. And they're talking to you about comedy. And then all of a sudden there's this like turn in the conversation or turn in the night where they get like flirty or suddenly touchy. And it's like, it just really sucks, especially when you're new or like less years in because it really makes you be like oh am i funny is that the only reason i'm here yeah or like especially when they're like oh i'll offer to like help you get this thing you're like oh are you helping me because like you think i'm actually good enough for that thing or this is a move and it's just it's just like really frustrating especially to be like damn dude i'm like 10 years in new to la and like well i gotta like redo this is this what i gotta re-go through is really frustrating sorry yeah. And obviously it's not all male comedians. There's many male comedians that have been great and very helpful to me in my career. Not at all creepy, but, ugh. but, um, the thing that's somewhat the classic scenario is, you know, the fiance is tagged in more than one post. And it's like, do you message this person or not get involved? I lean don't get involved. If yeah. I don't know the person. I, I don't know this person. I've never met her. I yeah. was more leaning no for two reasons. I do fall on the side of not getting involved because it's like, how often is it that you get involved in that or let someone know? And like, that's it. You just give them the info and you never hear from them. And there's not follow up questions and blah, 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 whatever. That's you know what I mean? Happens. Like, oh, yeah. Because yeah, I've even had friends in this scenario and they're like, I want screenshots of the text. And then I want screenshots of the text remove the contact so I could see the phone number. So I know this isn't someone trying to set this up or blah, blah, blah. Like literally I've seen women go through hoops already knowing the way that their man is going to lie to them Mm -hmm. to basically be like, no, you can't pull a lie. Like this girl's crazy and trying to say X, Y, Z. So like, that's one part of it. The other part of it is other than his response to like the fiance picture, I could see somebody debating if what I was reading was correct. Unfortunately. You think? That feels I, so blatant. I It does, but it's like, listen, I have seen and heard women ignore way harder flags than whatever just happened to me. Like, it's unfortunate that I'm sitting here saying, I almost feel like I don't also have enough hard evidence to, like, get involved. I'm sure that could happen. It just feels so blatant to me. But I still... There's also the aspect of like, this is a a work situation for you. Yeah. That's the other third thing is like, I kind of just want to stick to like my own business and I'm new in a scene and like, I don't need to be pissing off anybody or have anybody looking for me or like whatever it is. 
Yeah. Unfortunately. Man, it's just so fucking shitty. It's very annoying. Very annoying. So I don't know. I kind of, because that's the first thing some people asked me that I told them. They were like, are you going to DM the girl? And I was like, I mean, part of me is like, if this happens so quickly with me or happened with me, I'm definitely not the only person this is happening with. There's no fucking way. Oh, no, this is not his first rodeo. You know, because I've been in the scenario, I was dating someone, figured out they were like sneaking around doing shady shit with other people. And turns out they were dating that person longer than me. And I thought about messaging her. And I was like, you know what? If I saw signs in a month, this girl is seeing signs too. And she's probably choosing to ignore them. And like, I just need to get out of the situation and away from this man and like teach their own. Yeah. Yeah. I just lean, I just lean toward, yeah, to staying out of, staying out of that mess. And le- it would be different if I knew the person, but or maybe, I don't know. Yes, probably. It's never come up. So luckily, knock on wood, I never have to deal with the situation of knowing the person. Mm-hmm. Um, because I have had the situation that you're in. Yeah, it feels shitty and it also feels like whether I do something or don't do something, it's like, <laughs> I, do, I, it, I just feel like, I don't want to say that I'm not winning, but I'm struggling to think of a word. No, like, both of them are bad choices. Like, they if, don't Yeah, it feels like either choices. way I'm going to lose. Either, either right. way it's yeah, going to yeah. like screw stuff up and I don't know. You Did know? you respond to his text, the like, I'm not married yet text? No, I didn't. Yeah, you just left it. No, I think I'm just going to block him on Instagram and be like, stay the fuck away from me. So, RIP to that comedian. Yeah. And uh, what seemed like a nice friendship. <laughs> oh, unfortunate. Just, so. a, just a bunch of shitty behavior on the pod today. Yeah, not a, not a great week for men on the pod. So A little, little bit of an energy shift from last week. But here we are. This here is real are. life. It is real life. So. Listen up, guys. If you haven't heard yet, we're coming to the DC Comedy Law for another live podcast Thursday, March 21st. Get your tickets. We are, I think, over halfway sold out already. Well over halfway sold out. So get your tickets. If you want to come experience some magic live, we want to meet you. We want to talk to you. We're going to have so much fun. And it's also Allie's birthday that week. It is my birthday that week. So, and my mom might be there. I'm excited. You can go to findingmrhyde.com slash live to find an easy link also in our bios to get those tickets. And we are going to have an after party afterwards where we can really meet and greet, talk to everybody somewhere in the area. Yeah. So make sure you come DC Comedy Loft Thursday, March 21st. And if you want to check out some stand up, I'm going to be there all weekend. So Friday and that Saturday, I'll be doing stand up shows. Start swiping on Hinge, bring a date, have a good time. And You'll, you can come and meet Allie's mom, which we still have some spots left on our Portugal trip. And a little update on that. A few of you reached out to us about, hey, I want to come either, unfortunately, I don't have my mom anymore, or I want to come with my aunt. I want to come with my sister. I just want to come with a friend. The trip is officially open to anybody that would like to come, as long as you don't mind. Half the trip being moms and daughter combos. Everybody's excited to come. Doesn't matter. You are welcome to join travel with us. It's going to be so, so fun. You can also check that out at findingmrheight.com slash podcast. If you have any questions about it, feel free to reach out. We're happy to answer anything. We're just so excited to be there with our moms and with you. Yep. Next October, October 4th through 10th. Check it out. Come travel with us too. All right. Are you ready to get into the the meat of the episode? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. So y'all listened last week. We talked a little bit about race and dating with Demona Hoffman. Uh, And Allie was... Very open 
and sharing some of our own experiences. And this is something we've had on the books of ideas for quite some time. So the style of this episode is going to be, I'm going to interview Allie. Yes. Yeah, this is, this is like you said, this has been on, on my personal list, like literally since the start of the pod. Um, mm-hmm. And we've gotten many, many requests for a series on race and dating because we are certainly not going to cover everything there is, even in a series <laughs> um, with like space out no. episodes like we do in our other series. Um, but it's been something that has candidly scared me a little bit. I mentioned last week, like it just, it's such a weighty, important topic. And also obviously something that is very, very personal to me. And there's just like, I just have had this fear of not doing it justice. And one of the reasons why we're starting off with this kind of like interview format is because this is about like my story and I can do my story justice because it's my story. Yeah. So this is going to be about your experiences uh, in this space. And I put together some questions. We got some uh, listener questions. So we appreciate everybody reaching out. Um, So I kind of wanted to start with just kind of your own background. Um, So one thing that I almost asked when Demona was on is I have heard different things in terms of how to refer to people of mixed race. And I noticed like Demona in her book and also our interview said the word biracial. And I remember like whatever age it was, I was told like biracial is not politically correct. We should be saying mixed. And I wanted to get your opinion on that. And and I'm curious, like, what do you prefer when people ask you questions on the subject and refer to your own race? Yeah. So for those who don't know, just quick background, I am half Norwegian, a quarter black and a quarter Mexican. My mom is Norwegian, born there like every single, like her 23 and me is like laughably Norwegian. Um, and my dad was half black and half Mexican. Um, so I am multiracial. Um, I interestingly have never heard that biracial is like not okay to say. Um, but I think that, I mean, it just doesn't apply to me cause I have three, but, <laughs> but I think so much of this entire topic is so personal That like there isn't even – there are some things that are like very clearly not okay. Yeah. But there isn't even – there's not really a one-size-fits-all approach or like, oh, every single person is going to want to be referred to this way. Every single person is going to want to be approached about it in this way. So I can only speak from my own experience. Um, I really appreciate when people come from a place of curiosity Mm -hmm. and of just like wanting to understand but also with like, you you know, if somebody just says like, oh, like I, you know, you're, they're like throw a compliment in there or something about like, oh, like you're, I've had people say like, oh, you're gorgeous. Like what, what's your ethnicity? Or like have somebody say, you know, oh, like the, you see, you have such an interesting skin tone. Like what's your ethnicity? Like those types of things don't bother me personally. Mm -hmm. Can't speak for everybody. Um, I've lost the thread of your question. <laughs> okay. Well, essentially I could change it to this. Um, so you have somebody in front of you who is more than one race. How should somebody go about maybe asking them like, Hey, how would you like to be referenced as? I think literally like, if I like, say, that. like, Hey, you're mixed. Is that offensive? Is that okay? Like to me, that's not offensive. I, I think also it just depends on the context because a lot of times 
there haven't been that many times that have come up where that's been needed. Do you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. where it's oh, necessary. It's <laughs> yeah. Like where it's like necessary to identify me by race. Mm-hmm. So I think that like that comes up for me a lot too, where there's a lot of times where I'm like, why is this relevant? Mm-hmm. When it wouldn't be relevant for somebody who's white. Like I think that that is something that comes up a lot for people of color. And I know, I know it comes up for me that there are, there are so many more questions that can then sometimes, although those te- questions are not always intended poorly, that like can make you feel other mm-hmm. because it's like, well, you wouldn't have this many questions. You wouldn't worry about this if I were white. Like you wouldn't have this many questions. And a lot of times the questions come from a really good place. So that's hard too. Yeah. Cause the white perspective on it is basically being like, I don't know what to reference, what not to reference, because we don't want to, quote, ignore race and be all, I don't see color, because that's also right, incorrect. Yes you because yes, you do. Yeah. Because <laughs> yes, you do. Uh, you know, and like, I think we all, a lot of us learned that rhetoric, like in 2020 with Black Lives Matter resurfacing and everything. Um, so it's kind of like we toe that line of like, when do we bring up race or address race? Because we don't want to fully ignore it. But at the same time, it's like, yeah, we also figure you don't want to be referred to for those questions all the time either, or have it be brought up all the time either. Right. Yeah. And I think that's why there's not really a one size fits all answer to it. Cause it's like so context dependent and also person dependent. Um, so I, I really do appreciate my white friends who are really cognizant of it and will Mm call things out or like ask me if I'm uncomfortable or in certain situations, those people know me really well. So I feel comfortable with them saying certain things that I might not feel comfortable with a stranger saying. Yeah, no, totally. Um, Okay. So one of my first questions I wanted to ask you is when you are walking about the world or especially meeting people for the first time, how do you think the world sees you? We talked about this a little bit with Demona. I think the the biggest descriptor, the first thing that pops into my head is not white. Because mm-hmm. usually people have no idea where to place me and people really want to place you in my experience. Yes. And I think the human brain just wants to do that. It's like, that's not their fault. But they don't know where, they don't know where to place me. All they know is I'm not white. And even though, as mentioned last week, I am mostly white. Technically, yes. Technically, technically, but I am not white mm-hmm. as the world sees it. And I think that so so an answer to how the world sees me, I think the answer is mostly just not white because I don't think most people are thinking, "Oh, she's multiracial." Like I don't think they're really realizing nor really can they because who knows. I I wouldn't expect anyone to be able to know just by looking at me. So, so would you say you don't think most people meet you and say like, oh, I think she is mixed, but I just don't know what, or? I don't know. That's a good question. Actually, I should ask my friends. Um, <laughs> hey, what was your first impression of me racially? No pressure. <laughs> no pressure. But just, just throw it out there. I'd like to hear it. <laughs> don't worry. Don't worry. This won't go anywhere <laughs> terrible. Um, that would be actually really funny. I should just start texting that people out of nowhere. Um, they pro- People probably do think that I'm mixed. Um, I personally know a lot of people who have my skin tone, but are black, like not mm-hmm. mixed. And so I think that impacts how I'm seeing it. Cause I'm like, oh no, I could be a hundred percent black, but I don't think your average white person thinks that. I do think people probably assume that I'm mixed. They're just not sure what. 
Yeah. Um, so with being multiracial, you have talked to me personally sometimes about how you've been in scenarios where you felt like you weren't black enough, white enough. Are there any specific memories you have of these moments that really like stick out in your mind? Yeah, honestly, more more moments of not being black enough than not being white enough, interestingly enough. Um, so for background, I grew up in like pretty much exclusively white spaces. I went to a really small private school. There were three kids of color, if I recall correctly, in my kindergarten class, like until like much further along when the school started prioritizing diversity in a bigger way. Um, and most of my most of my friends in fact all of my close friends growing up were white and most of my parents friends are white like it just was just very homogenous in that sense mm-hmm. um i don't recall though feeling not white enough i do recall feeling like different and i don't really remember like conceptualizing it, if that makes sense. Like, I don't think I could like wrap my arms around the why. Mm-hmm. I remember my mom tried really hard to to um, get me dolls that looked like me. Like, I remember I had like Addie American Girl doll. I had like black Barbies. I had this like African doll that I actually hated when I first got it because internalized racism. Um, but she tried really hard to get me things that like looked like me or that where I could like feel like I identified, but I never really did. I don't remember anything specific. I just remember an overarching, I don't really belong feeling. Mm. Do you remember having moments like being in class and things like that, where you almost felt like you were the delegated quote, black person or person of color when certain subjects and things would come up? And they'd be like, Allie, can you speak on this? No, but I bet I would now. I just don't think those mm-hmm. subjects were coming up. I mean, that's fair. So so, so I bet you it would have happened had we been discussing mm-hmm. anything like that. Um, but we weren't really. Um, and I don't think many schools were at the time. Uh, my school is probably doing more than most. But I do really viscerally remember... When I got to college, there is a really, really vibrant black community at Penn. And I remember when I got there, I was automatically subscribed to the Black Pen listserv. And I was like automatically in Black Pen, the club, the organization. Oh, interesting. Yeah. And I've talked to other people about this experience since. And it felt that felt weird. Mm-hmm. Like, I think it, it was done with – they wanted me to, like, come to campus and feel a sense of community right away, et cetera. But to me, it felt like they were like, oh, you should go over here. Yeah, it'd be different if they sent you an email that was more personalized from the group being like, hey, um, we know you're one of the people of color on campus. We have this group that helps promote diversity or whatever it is that they do. Uh, we would like to invite you to come to some of our meetings if you would like to join. But, like, if you yes. would like to, not an automatic – Yes. I was just all of a sudden on their listservs and like getting all these emails that felt very spammy to me because I had not signed up for these emails about like all of the activities. And I I ended up 
I think it pushed me further from the black culture there as a result. Because I just I immediately, that. it was new to me also, but I mm-hmm. think it would have been something I might have explored had I not had that like really visceral, like, oh, they're telling me I need to be over here. I don't want that. Yeah, I understand that. Um, I mean, I think especially there was no personal touch. Yeah. And I assume that it's different now. I hope that it's different now. But that's how it felt at the time. And I actually had never talked to anybody about it until this year. I talked mm-hmm. to somebody else that – another black woman who went to Penn and she had the exact same experience as me like a couple years after me. Yeah. Um, but so I do remember. So that happened. And as a result, I ended up like really staying with what I felt comfortable with, which is white communities. And they were – it was more diverse than my – upbringing, but still predominantly white. And I do remember a couple really specific incidents where members of the black community were really mean to me about my decision specifically to join a historically white sorority. Uh, Was there only like one historically black sorority on campus? I think there were two, if I recall correctly. Um, It didn't even occur to me to, to rush them. I didn't even know about them. I didn't even know they were a thing. I didn't even know there was a process. I, Frankly, I probably wouldn't have even if I had, if I'm being really honest, because of like my feelings about not wanting to feel othered. Mm-hmm. But I didn't even know they existed until it was quote unquote too late. And they were really mean. Not everyone, obviously. But like a few specific women were really, really mean to both me and my best friend from college who's still one of my closest friends to this day we were both in the same sorority and she is also mixed um and we bonded over that it's one of the very first things we bonded over well i was gonna say it's it's interesting that like whenever you got information about russian sororities were they not like listed in the same pamphlet or whatever it is like hey also we have these sororities if you you know I don't know the correct words to say, but like qualify to also like rush these because obviously not everybody qualifies for, you know, the black sorority house. So it's like, yeah, it's, it's an interesting thing question. that they kind of attacked you. But at the same time, if you were like, I didn't ever get information that there was these. I bet I did. But I don't think it was overt. Like, I I bet you that there was they were on the list in a pamphlet I received. Mm hmm. Like, I'm sure that it was there, but in talking to friends later, like friends I made in those sororities later at Penn, there is such a rich cultural history with black sororities and black fraternities in black communities. Mm -hmm. And like entire families will be like AKA or I think DST is another big one. Like, and they're like so excited. They know all about it. There's a whole thing. Like it's, I don't think it needs to be explained. To most people. And so I would have, I I, I don't really necessarily fault Penn for that because I don't think it needs to be explained to most black people because it's such a, just such a really, really ingrained part of black culture, um, specifically like black university culture. I just had no idea. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm curious, like, is this a scenario essentially you're kind of faced with this decision of like, which room do you feel more comfortable in? Like the room in the house filled with white people or the room in the house filled with black people? Yeah, I th- I think at the time I really thought I had worked so hard to not feel different mm-hmm. throughout my childhood 
not just because of my race, but for other reasons. But like in general, I, I just had this really, really deep seated need to feel like I belonged and never really did. And I saw college as an opportunity to finally feel that way. And I think that it was that comfort that that led me to continue to seek out white communities because otherwise I would continue to feel like I didn't belong just for a different reason. Mm. So do you feel like it was kind of more touching on what you said earlier where there were scenarios that you wouldn't feel black enough, but then when you were put into a white room, no one was ever pressuring you to like be more one thing or the other. Right. That's fair. I get that. I mean, I understand that. Sorry. Yeah, no, I know what you mean. Um, Yeah. So I think, and and I like look back on a lot of this, I've talked about this ad ad nauseum in therapy um, about like, you know, what I would do differently, et cetera. And like, I, I do wish that I had explored my black heritage, my Mexican heritage a lot sooner than I did. But like, I also can't fault my younger self or I I now know that I can't. (laughs) There was a time Mm -hmm. when I did Um, because I just didn't, I just didn't know any better. And I was just like trying to feel safe. Yeah. And I mean, I know you've talked about this before on the show that, you know, your dad was essentially one of the only people of color that you even knew growing up and were around growing up. So one question I, I was curious to ask you is what kinds of conversations did you have with your parents about race? None that I remember, Hmm. but I know that I did because I know that my mom specifically really wanted to make sure like she, she took parenting multiracial children really seriously. Um, And so I know that I did, but I don't remember any of them. My memory of my childhood is not that great to be honest. I want to be really clear about what I mean. I had a great childhood. I don't remember a lot of it that clearly. Yeah, no, I, I, I yeah. got that. Yeah. Um, but so, so I don't remember anything specific. I do know, though, that my dad was not that comfortable discussing his race. And so I think that that impacted me a lot because – I saw him talked about this like briefly um, on the pod, but like he was, he made a very conscious decision to live pretty separately from most of his family. Mm -hmm. And that meant that we, that we lived really separately from all of my, most of my non-white family. And I think that I internalized that as a kid in like where I should be. Because he had made that decision for us to not be there. I I like ascribed that onto all of those communities as, as a kid. Yeah. And I'm sure there's also a hard line where you're like, I know that like the world sees me differently from, from your dad's perspective and interactions he was having being in that town, being one of the only people of color. Like, I'm sure he was dealing with his own stuff with that. And you probably sit there and say like, this is happening. And I know like my kids aren't going to experience zero of this, but sometimes we sit there and say, but if I point this out, is that going to make it like worse or more on the forefront of their mind and have them, instead of giving people the benefit of the doubt, be assuming the opposite. And, you know, 
I'm sure it was very difficult for him to figure out like, how do I navigate this while also probably dealing with his own things in that sense and in that world. I'm sure. To add to it, so my dad was half black, half Mexican. He grew up with his Mexican family. His The black part of his family, there are like some people that have married and black people and they're like his family is like very diverse. Mm-hmm. Um, his great-grandfather grew up in a Japanese neighborhood, like just crazy diverse in the in the different people that are in the family. But his dad, who was black, like that side of the family was fully and completely estranged before my dad was even like could remember. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, several layers, layers, lots of layers, lots of layers. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm curious though, especially like more in your adult life, did your parents ever talk to you about anything with race and day dating or even like sharing kind of their own experiences being an interracial couple? I talked to my mom a lot about it. Um, and never my dad. I can't remember one conversation I ever had about him dating a white woman. Mm-hmm. Um, but my mom and I have talked about it at length, especially more in recent years, but we did even when I was younger. Um, and she also grew up in, she grew up in Orange County in, which is the OC white, for white. those of you who, yeah, yeah. white, white, um, the OC and the original housewives as well. Yeah. Yes. Um, though an interesting perspective on that because she was an, an immigrant, her family immigrated, though they were like living in the OC, but not living in the OC, if you know what I mean. Um, mm-hmm. And so she didn't really know many people of color at the time when she went to college, which is where she met my dad. And so she and I talked a lot about what that was like for her and kind of in her mind at the time, she thought, I don't see race. And I I really don't think she did, but like she didn't realize at the time, obviously we like didn't have all the education we do now about unconscious bias and like all that stuff. And so None of that really factored in at the time, but I think she and I used to have a lot of conversations about all the things she'd learned mm-hmm. in dating my dad and marrying him and, and you know, like I said, she was really conscious about raising multiracial kids. Yeah, and obviously I can't speak for the world, but my impression of when people are trying to say, like, I don't see color and I don't see race, I think their intent is trying to say, I don't see it as like a bias factor. Yes. Where they're trying to say like, no, I'm not treating this person any differently than I'm treating somebody else or in, you know, a dating sense being like, oh, I don't see why it would be a big deal if I dated someone of color versus somebody that's white or someone that's outside of my race or outside of my religion. Um, And not saying that's correct to say, but that's been like my impression of hearing that through the years is usually used when people are like, hey, I don't care what race you are. I'm going to treat you as if you're everybody else. Yeah, people definitely mean it that way. It's definitely well-intentioned for the most part. It just kind of misses the mark on the fact that like, yes, you do because we all do. And there's like unconscious bias that you might not be aware that you are treating somebody differently or thinking something differently about somebody, but like you likely are. And, you know, that's that's just something that's just more recent education, I think. No, yeah, definitely. So there was something that there's like a few things you've mentioned on the pod that kind of inspired some of the questions I was thinking of. Um, I remember you telling a story about like going back to your hometown and going to a bridal shower or baby shower, whichever one it was. And you look around the room and you realize like, oh, I'm the only person of color in the room. 
And something I didn't ask you then, but I have been wondering is like, when you have moments like that, do you at all think about like, if I'm to end up married to somebody who's white, this could potentially be what like a lot of my future rooms look like. And I might be in this scenario more than say you are now. Yeah. I mean, that's a super valid question and something that I think when I was younger and dated like mostly, mostly white guys and my serious relationships have mostly been white guys, but in more recent years, which we can get into, I've like really pushed myself to date more um, across the racial spectrum, which has been like really great, Um, which is like a dumb way to say it, but (laughs) – but it took it took a lot to like you know kind of like get myself to realize that I had these unconscious biases in in my mm-hmm. own life. Um, I think I used to worry about that, and not that I don't anymore. But I am now much more cognizant of even if I am dating somebody who's white, I am really cognizant of the diversity of their life, mm. and like the diversity of who they're friends with, the the diversity of who they surround themselves with, the communities that they're in not being homogenous in the way that mine was growing up. And as a result, like my community is pretty diverse and I look for that in people that I date as well um, because that's really important to me. It's one of the reasons I love New York is because most people that I encounter have, you know, more diverse communities than what I experienced growing up. So I don't worry about it per se, but it is top of mind, if that makes sense. Yeah. I'm just, I'm curious because some of these things are somewhat out of each person's control. Like Mm. let's say you're dating someone and they bring you to a childhood friend's wedding. Oh yeah, totally. And you walk in, you're the only person of color in the room. Mm -hmm. Then that question's like, okay, Who's like whose fault is it? Is it anyone's fault? Is it anything you take note of that is like a reflection of your partner? Um, yeah, I'm curious, like how you feel in those scenarios. I think I think that's always going to happen, and it would happen in the reverse too. Like mm-hmm. if I were dating somebody who's black, I'm sure there would be a lot of rooms where there were no white people. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I think it's more about. Those situations are going to happen, but I think it's more about somebody wanting to seek out a diverse set of opinions and and experiences and people in their life overall, even if like not every room they're in is going to be that way. Um, And that's something that I've talked about with men that I've dated in the past where I have noticed stuff like that. And I've said something and said like, I've said before when I'm dating somebody, like I am the only black person here. Because by the way, that is how I refer to myself typically now. That so that does that answer your question? Like that's something that I think like I, I think about and I talk about. Um yeah, more so than I used to, I guess. Yeah, I think it's the scenario essentially of like, quote, meeting the friends or going to like some type of event or meeting the family, I feel like is often kind of like the number one scenario that comes up when we discuss race and dating or when we suddenly ask ourselves, like, how do I handle this situation now that I am in an interracial relationship, no matter which way that it is? Um, so, like, something you said is 
if you're gonna like meet someone's family or whatever, you're like, hey, show them a picture of me. Like I don't want any surprises when I walk in the room and like what I look like. Yep. But I'm curious since you also know that like the world isn't always sure of what your background is. Do you also ask them to tell them like, oh, she's Norwegian, black and Mexican? I don't. I don't. Um, I think it would be lovely if that is something that they'd shared with them because they're excited to tell their family about me. And that's Mm -hmm. a big fact about me. Um, I don't ask them to specifically say that, though, because the thing that I'm looking to avoid is the, for lack of a better word, sticker shock Mm -hmm. of like seeing me. And so that is really what I'm trying to solve for with the picture. Like, I don't need them to totally understand exactly what my ethnicity is. I'm happy to talk to them about that. It's the it's the the visual. Because I told the story last week, but for anybody who didn't listen to that episode, first of all, go back and listen because Demona's fucking amazing. Um, but I mentioned that I have been in a situation with an ex-boyfriend whose family did not know and was very clearly really surprised. And that was such a shitty experience, although they are wonderful people and it turned out great that I want to avoid that at all costs. Yeah, understandably so. Um, I'm curious, though, if you're about to be brought into a room that is predominantly white, do you want a heads up? No. Interesting. I don't think so. I don't think so. Because for me, for me, it's about the way that I'm going to be perceived if they're about to bring me into a room where like it's predominantly white and they think people are going to be rude or racist (laughs) or something, first of all, like, why are we going to that room? But, but, but like that would be different, but I don't really need, it's not the heads up isn't for me, I guess, put it that way. Like it's more so. And I think that it really specifically, this hasn't come up with like friends. It hasn't come up with even meeting a guy's friends. Mm -hmm. It's specifically surrounding family because I think they're, there can be so many just expectations that families have about who we're going to date that, that that I think has just come up more. I have dated people in the past who it never occurred to them because it didn't have to. Yeah. Like they've never needed to examine the fact that the room's entirely white because that, that just never occurred to them. And honestly, that was me also. Because mm-hmm. even though I was the only not white person in a lot of rooms for a long, long time, it didn't occur to me that that was affecting me, that that was like an issue that was impacting like the rest of my life until much later. Um, and so I think that just acknowledging that and deferring to to that person, to your partner of, you know, how I want to make this as comfortable for you as I can and like what does that look like for you? It just that just goes so far. Yeah. No, I I mean, I agree, but I think that's why I think these questions come up. It's like when you start seeing somebody and it's those first whatever couple months and events are coming up and you want to bring them to things and it's like again, you're like, Okay, I don't want to ignore the race factor, but I also am unsure when and how to necessarily like address it. Cause so interestingly, I did get this question from a few people on my little story box. And a lot of people ask about like, how do we know the line also between like fetishizing and just preference and attraction? And I'm curious yeah. if you've 
for have a few different questions that kind of relate to this, but I'm curious if like you have received essentially like comments and feedback when you are dating somebody who's not another person of color or just outside of your race. Yeah, I think a couple different things. I think the fetishization, like Demona, I struggle with that word, fetishization, whatever. That piece, I think, is something that I used to worry about a lot more than I worry about now because I just, I feel like I'm just able to tell more easily if somebody is like into me for me and who I am or if they're fetishizing something about me, whether that's my race or something else. Um, Something that I used to struggle with is that, and this actually I think is one of the many reasons that I have in my past gravitated towards white men, is that my experience as a younger dating adult in college, early 20s, et cetera, is that this is a, a generalization based on my experience, but black men weren't into me because I'm not what one would like typically describe as like a curvy black woman. This is my own thoughts about myself and my experience. I don't have a butt. I don't have, you know, like like these like these yeah. things that like a lot of black men that I was hearing talk about and I didn't look like that. And it made me feel very unwanted from those men in real life dating situations as well. And so I think that's another reason that kind of like pushed me there. Um, but to your question about kind of the that line, I think I've really looked at, does, is this person interested in me? Mm -hmm. Or does it seem like they're interested in like this one aspect of me that could be anyone? It's just like, you know, the fact that I am this thing. And the fact that it's me is just a a side note. Yeah. um, I actually was curious, like, if you hear somebody say, oh, I love black women. I prefer to date black women. Do you feel like they are talking about you? No. Even though I do consider myself a black woman. I feel like, and that, that's a very honest no that's coming from like a place of self-judgment probably. What that typically means doesn't typically describe me physically. And like, that's a generalization that I'm making about my own race, but like that I have judged myself for. And that's like a reason that I, in the past, have felt like I'm neither here nor there. Like I don't belong in either place. One of the reasons. Yeah, understandably. And we've talked a little bit before about like, you know, there's racism and then there's also colorism within racism. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that could also be an element of it that you're like, okay, I'm not, you know. Which that, that part is because I am light skinned, like I am privileged in that sense that like from a colorism perspective um, and it's, you know, one of the reasons why I can assimilate into white culture in a, in a more, I'm not white passing by any means, but like I do benefit in that sense from that privilege of that, that colorism. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's just, there's just like so much shit that, go, that goes into it. Right. Cause you'll be like, you know, privileged in some ways, but like really struggling with this in other ways. And it, it just, it makes for a lot of good therapy sessions. So when you are dating someone, uh, what are you curious to know about their history with dating outside of their race? I, I don't tend to ask this question early on, no matter who I'm dating. 
And so I, I mentioned earlier up top that I have like really been in the last several years as I've explored more of my black heritage, more of my Mexican heritage, like just my identity as a multiracial woman, like really been examining the people that I date and whether the people that I date are reflecting the kind of like diverse community that I am a part of and want to be a part of. And that answer historically was no. Um, and so I've really been expanding my horizons in the, in that sense. Um, and yet still it hasn't come up that much early on. It ha- It doesn't, it hasn't mattered to me that much. I think there's it's like a double-edged sword because if I'm the only non-white person that somebody has ever dated, regardless of their race, mm-hmm. which has happened before, that is like, oh, okay. So there's probably going to have to be a lot of like education. We're probably – there's going to be, you know, potentially – got to make sure that your family is cool with this. I got to ask questions about that. I got to, you know, there's like all these different things. On the flip side though, if somebody has exclusively dated non-white people, then I, like, especially when I've been out with black men who typically date black women, I have worried that the not feeling black enough thing is going to come up. Where like, I don't have a lot of the shared cultural experiences that or any truly any i don't have any of the shared mm-hmm. cultural experiences that black people do a, as a culture and i w- i wish that weren't true but i just didn't get it and so i have felt left out not invited to the cookout if you will i don't even think i'm allowed to say that <laughs> like like oh, i don't think i'm invited to the cookout that's how like you know yeah. but like but so i have i've had that experience it very viscerally actually on a recent date um, of feeling like I, that person felt like I couldn't relate. I'm curious if you are dating someone and you find out that you are the first person of color that they've ever dated, does that bother you at all or kind of change your thoughts about the relationship? I don't think so. I don't think it, it maybe changes how I, how I would approach questions that I would ask them of like it so if I did find that out I think I would be curious of why do they think that is in the same way that I think it was valid for like when I was sort of like starting to kind of evaluate my own dating history that I was asking those questions of myself of mm-hmm. like why is this why have I mostly dated white men I think like that that is the sort of curiosity that I bring to those situations now in that in that same way. But it's not a it's not like a deal breaker by any means or makes me think less of that person because I I know from personal experience that that there's a lot that shapes that in terms of, you know, what your experiences have been and where you feel comfortable. And what really matters, I think, is your desire to push yourself out of that comfort zone. I'm curious though, when it comes to like now pushing yourself out of the comfort zone, have you felt pressure? to date more people of color? I don't know if pressure is the right word. I think I felt I I felt pressure from myself. <laughs> but like in a way that's like I it is really important to me to lead a diverse life. It's really important to me to be involved in diverse communities and my dating life doesn't look that way. 
And so why is that? And that's something that I've like really dove into in therapy, but like, why is that? And like, I need to actively do something about it in the same way that, you know, I, I like in dating to job interviewing all the time, right? Like I make a lot of parallels. I think in the same way that like companies have needed to evaluate why their pool of applicants all look the same and therefore their company employees all look the same. I think that there are a lot of parallels into who we have in our lives. And oftentimes it requires action and like decided action in order to do something different. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't call it pressure per se, but I think it's been a very conscious effort on my part because it's important to me and, you know, understanding, like giving myself grace for where I've come from, but also pushing myself to, to push past that and to lead the kind of diverse life that I want to lead. Yeah, that makes sense. So when I have dated people of color, I have had a few be candid and honest with me about like acceptance from family or the communities. And I'm curious, you know, if someone was to say to you, you know, you're not the first person of color I've dated. I've brought people home that were people of color. I will be honest with you. Less than 100% of my family is okay with it, but I don't care and I'm going to date and be with who I want to be with. Is that a deal breaker for you? And does that make you, I don't know, kind of have to sit and evaluate, like, do I want to continue with this? The, the last part? Yeah. <laughs> um, I, this has not happened to me, full disclosure. So I don't have like real life experience of like what that might look like. Um Actually, that's not true. One of my one of my serious ex boyfriends, his dad was very intolerant, but he wasn't very close to him, so it didn't end up really mattering in the grand scheme of our relationship. Like they pretty much never spoke. I only met him once. Um, I think that I would have a lot of questions, and those questions would be about like, what is our interaction going to be like with these people of your family who aren't accepting? Like, if it's your parents and you see them all the time. That's a much bigger issue than, you know, like Aunt Judy that like maybe we'll see at some wedding in five years and I can just not talk to her. Mm -hmm. Like there, I think there's just different levels um, and how willing that person is also to be my advocate in moments where somebody says something that they shouldn't or makes me feel a way that they shouldn't. Yeah, that makes sense. I guess I was kind of also getting at like is it better to almost point out like the aunt judy like you said and kind of be like listen yes. aunt judy has like made some comments i'm not i don't know if you like want them to repeat the comments or not i assume not but just kind of being like heads up probably don't really want to interact with her and like whatever it is because i think that's unfortunately realistic when you look at someone's entire extended family or entire circles of it could just be someone they work with where they're like someone I work with made a comment to me about like oh you got a thing for black women or whatever it is and just kind of being like heads up I think this person you might want to avoid when you're at whatever it is that you have to mix with these people yeah I think again like so much context because if it's somebody that they see regularly my first question is like why is this person still in your life um but if it's yeah some random coworker, we're going to a holiday party and like at, for your work and some random coworker is racist and you give me that heads up, I think that's really valid. I probably wouldn't volunteer details unless I asked for them. Mm -hmm. Like you don't need to tell me what he said. 
about yeah i figured that part <laughs> some race but, yeah but like unless i ask sometimes i'm nosy um but like that those sorts of heads ups i think are great even outside of race like i've been in situations where like a guy has brought me to i like dated a guy who worked in a very very conservative field and i went to a holiday party with him and he was like just we should not discuss politics. Like, we just don't, like, we're gonna, like, we just shouldn't. And we, he, he and I were on the same page, but he just, like, gave me the heads up that he was like, we just, that's just not a topic we should talk about. Yeah. Like, it's blown up before and, yeah. Better to leave it at rest. Like, we're not, yeah, gonna exactly. Get mm-hmm. Exactly. And not, because, uh, and I remember saying to him, like, in what world would I go to your work holiday party and be like, so, Joe, who'd you vote for? Like, that would be an insane thing. And his response to me was like, they'll bring it up. And I just want you to be prepared that they are going to bring it up. And we are probably just going to have to be quiet and nod and walk away. Kind of vibes. Yeah. Almost like a teasing. Like, oh. Yeah. These libs. (laughs) Literally. (laughs) literally. Yeah. Stuff like that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So like that's a very different situation than like a racial situation. But just I, I do think the heads up is is nice. Uh, I guess my last question is when you have dated white people, what are some things you wish your white partners would do or could do better? I think what I have really appreciated is white partners who have asked me that question because not every person of color is going to want the same thing. And I don't even want the same thing all the time in every scenario. Like, I don't always want – there's like that – like, I I don't always need you to be like white savior guy, Mm -hmm. like coming in and, you know, throwing punches for me. Like, I I don't always need that. But like, there are some times when I like do really want support. And I just think asking that question – to your partner or your friend or your the person that you're really close to of like how can I support you in this is my just number one piece of advice because it just looks different for everyone and, and at different times. And I think I always appreciate that question coming from a place of they want to take care of me and they want me to feel comfortable and happy and safe and therefore they're asking me how to do that. Yeah, and I'm I'm not sure if you feel this like them even asking that or essentially addressing race in general makes you feel more comfortable to point out racial things when they come up because you know like I said it's like I feel like no matter what race you are everybody sits there being like okay I don't want to be the person that is constantly pointing out whatever racial racial situation in the room or that we just had and be the one that's like constantly harping on it with the balance of like never ignoring it either. Yeah, it's a hard balance. And and I definitely I've also been with people where I've pointed something out and they're like, "What are you talking about?" So like I also think overarchingly remember that you don't have that perspective and there are going to be things that you fully don't understand, don't see, can't even fathom and they're there. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of women listening can relate to sometimes gender differences mm, yeah. where women will be like, there is something going on with that guy. And like, 
you do the like grab to your male friend to like not leave your side and they're Mm -hmm. so confused why and you're like there's a fear and a feeling I have and something I'm sensing and picking up on that you're not and like you just you need to just like be here with me in this or whatever support you know yes scenarios yeah and I I think I've noticed kind of like you said of even in New York City I've noticed when somebody is noticing me and in a usually like in a racial way like in a you know I'm in a white space way with a boyfriend or a guy or even just friends I actually really specifically remember I went on a bachelorette party years ago to Alabama mm-hmm. and I have never seen a more, for lack of a better word, segregated place in my life of just like every, there are a lot of black people that live in Alabama, but like mm-hmm. not in the places we were Yep, and the heads turned of like, what are you doing here? And I, yeah. that is something that I think my white friends didn't notice it. Mm-hmm. Like I had to point it out to be like, yeah, people were really surprised. Not that, not that they were like mad I was there. They were surprised. Mm-hmm. And even dealing with that is hard. And so I think kind of just continuing to remember that you don't have that perspective that your partner does and to just really sit and listen is just paramount, I think. Yeah. Those are some scenarios I've been in just with male comedian friends and we're traveling in the middle of nowhere. So not even the South, just wherever. And we walk into some diner to eat and the heads turn. And that's the moment that I'm like, do I address this and at least let them know like, I, Hey, I noticed that too. I'm not like blind to what's happening. But at yeah. the same time, they've also sometimes been like, you know, it just is what it is. And like, sometimes I just don't want to, kind of talk about it and just want to ignore it that's that's i think really hard because there's no one size fits all answer for it of like oh this is when you should call it out this is when you shouldn't this is what like because i would hate it if somebody that i was with every time we went anywhere was like oh how many black people are here like i would it would be so annoying or being like i think that guy gave you a weird look you're like oh my god i don't right yeah I don't like need it more than did. I already get it. Yeah. Exactly. Like maybe I didn't even notice that one, but now I'm thinking about it, you know? And so like that, and it's just such a fine line because you don't want that, but I, you also don't want somebody who like never acknowledges, never notices. And I really just think it's all about like talking to your partner about like what, what would feel best for you from me. The other thing that I'll say about that is that it's one thing to say like, what would feel best? from me for you to make you feel most supportive, et cetera. It's another thing to want your partner or your friend to educate you. Mm -hmm. That's different. And I think that that has come up for me in the past. I mean, in 2020, it became very clear how many people's, how many, for how many people I was their only black friend became very clear based on how many text messages I got. Um, And a lot of them, actually, literally every single one of them was well-meaning, but a lot of them were looking for me to lead them on an educational journey. And I have had partners do that to me in the past, and that's really exhausting. I mean, I think that's another thing that's a question that's like, 
what is there for me to go seek out the information myself first asking my partner for their thoughts or opinions or just asking them for information you know because part of yeah. me is like look you do learn through experience so totally you know like we said it's like hey if you're constantly around white people there's going to be a lot of things that you don't know understand or even know is quote a cultural thing with black asian whatever it is you know like if you're just never in those spaces so then when you are in that space and if you are to go to like an event that really is you know diverse or multicultural in whatever way or celebrating a specific thing you're there like okay well like it's okay if i ask some questions right but at the same time trying to be like okay i don't want to look like this educate me person to everyone here or to my partner yeah that's probably also something you talk to your partner about you know to say like can, can i ask you questions about this or like or that you know like what do you i've really appreciated in the past when somebody has like attempted to do their own research on something Mm-hmm. not in the moment obviously like if we're in the moment and something <laughs> happens looking at my phone <laughs> yeah and i'm like and they're like i'm just googling i'm like no we're here together you can ask me in this moment but like yeah. i have appreciated when somebody is is actively trying to seek out information on their own and then asking me my opinions and thoughts on that thing because okay. like you said that's my opinions and thoughts on it are probably different from whatever you looked up on the internet also but it's nice that you are trying to do stuff on your own as well yeah I know it's it's all a, it's all a balance, you know for sure. Yeah, you're like, I don't yeah, want to be... show no interest in this, but you know, there's also scenarios where you like ask one question, and someone's like, "I'm not here to educate you." It's like, okay, well, I was just trying to be involved in the conversation happening. Yeah, it's hard because like that response is coming from exhaustion mm-hmm. of needing to be that educator, um, and so I get it. I get that. I don't actually personally get it because I don't think I am often that educator, but I like empathize with where that exhaustion is coming from. Um, And so I think just a little effort can go a long way in that sense, especially, and like, you know, you're creating a a safe space with the person you're dating also. So hopefully you trust each other enough to be able to say like, you know, I I just, I need you to look that one up on your own. Yeah. Or like, you know, this is like, I'm tired. Can we not, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's totally fair. All right, well, I think that's, I mean, we went long today because there's yes. a lot to cover. Um, so much. And, you know, also so much talked about today, but like didn't even like get into so many nuances. And, you know, I think I, I'm excited to have additional guests on to really talk about like their unique experiences and um, and just continue to explore this topic more. And thank you for putting together such thoughtful questions. Yeah. Thank you for, thank you for doing this up. Um, and anybody listening that has any guest suggestions that you think would be great for this topic or any other future topics, uh, you could submit at findingmrheight.com slash podcast and let us know because we're looking to explore this more. So, yeah. And if you submitted a question that we didn't get to, we have them all on record. So like we're, you know, as we, as we talk more about this and, you know, we will, uh, we will keep those in mind for sure. So thank you everyone for sharing and being vulnerable and we'll yes. see you next week. Talk to you next week. Bye. Bye.